0: well I did it I went to my 50th high school class reunion this weekend it was pretty good for the most part Um, you know you get out there with some folks and you're a little bit shocked at the arrogance and the ignorance and the indifference and the naivete regarding who God is, you know, and, and, and just the general lack of, of interest about their creator. It is stunning at times. You're out in the world and you're talking to folks and you just simply can't believe what they say about God. One, one guy said to me, he said, he'd, he'd had some, some tough things happen to him recently, and he said, well, I'll tell you this, when I see the Lord, I'm going to have a word with him. And I said to him, no, you're not. No, you're not. And if you don't know him, it's going to be the worst day of your life. Nobody's going to have a word with Yahweh. That's the truth. I apologize. I'm probably a little emotional again today. Not quite sure why, but I think the music was good. I was really worshipping so that could be, it could be part of it. But Ben Aubrey is a name that Dr. Vaden knows well. He's one of the best men that I have ever known. He was my preaching professor, Brad's preaching professor in seminary. He was like a really good athletic coach. (laughs) He would tear you down (laughs) and then build you back up. It was often painful but always profitable. If you entered class not quite sure whether you were a preacher or not, he helped you out with that. Uh, he was used of God to clarify that for a good number of guys. Guys would transfer or change their program. For me, his class was the theological equivalent of boot camp. Um, if, uh, you took it, if you took his class and you had to if you were a Master of Divinity student, uh, you were not going to come out the same as you went in. Um, You either came out knowing you were a preacher, or you came out knowing you need to sell insurance. (laughs) While Jeremiah 26.2 wasn't the official motto of Dr. Aubrey's preaching class, it could easily have been. I doubt any of you have Jeremiah 26.2 committed to memory, but if you're a preacher, you know what that verse has to say. With respect to preaching, Jeremiah 26.2 separates the men from the boys, the pretenders, as Dr. Aubrey would say, and the wannabes from the God called man. As you know, Jeremiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah around 600 BC and universally almost everyone hated what he had to say. Almost everybody hated what he had to say. It sounds just like America, 2023. In Jeremiah 26, 2, God charged Jeremiah to, to do this. He said, You stand in the court of the Lord's house and you speak all the words I have commanded you to speak. Do not omit a word. That's the title of the sermon. Do not omit a word. It's the charge of God to every called of God preacher Whether those who are hearing him like it or not, that's never the issue. The issue is not whether you like what I say. The issue is, did God say it? And you know, I've told you this before. If you hear something that you can't find in the Bible, you should come talk to me about it. And if I can't show it to you in the Bible, then I've got to change my sermon. This is all about God and God's word. It's not about my opinion. My opinion doesn't matter at all. Only Yahweh's opinion matters. Jeremiah preached for 40 plus years to this God-ignoring nation. It didn't go well. Some of you know he was beaten, he was imprisoned and exiled. The people really, really didn't like what he had to say. Of course, sounds like America, 2023. Except the good news for guys like me is that beatings and imprisonments and exiles are no longer in vogue, just terminations. You know, preaching is the one job, if you do a really good job and you please your boss, who is God, you might likely get fired. It's happened to a number of my seminary brothers. It happened to Brad once. Was it once or twice? (laughs) Once. (laughs) Once. And I knew about that deal. I mean, I, I preached in that church. I knew exactly what was going on. You know, all that dead wood, they didn't clean up the rolls, And all the dead wood came in. Brad didn't know who half these people were. They voted him out. You know, you've got to clean up the, the rolls. People who are no longer active, you've got to clean them up. So, um, yeah, I think he almost got fired a couple years ago, too, didn't you? Yeah. So, he's my kind of preacher. He's willing to get fired. We're always willing to get fired. You know, we don't care if you like our sermon. We care if God likes our sermon. That's all we care about. You know, I hope you like it because I hope you love the Word of God, but I really don't care. At the end of the day, I really don't. If God likes it, that's what I care about. That's what I care about. And I know if you love God and you love His Word, you're going to like it. You're going to like it what I have to say, or at least you're going to submit to it, right? At least you will submit to it. You know, it's just an astonishingly arrogant thing. People who sit in churches, and we, Karen and I went to a conference this week, and we talked to a couple of guys who have recently been fired. Uh, they were fired. Their congregation didn't like what they were preaching. And uh, although it was biblical, they didn't like it. And they were sent packing. It is astonishing that people sitting in pews believe they can stand in judgment over the Word of God. It's just breathtaking. People sitting in pews think they can judge what's worthy to be heard and what is worthy to be disregarded. It really is a shocking Reality. I shared with you last week, Isaiah 30, 9, and 10. I'm going to read it again. This was going on in the Old Testament. For this is, is a rebellious people. They're false sons. They're sons who refuse to listen to the instruction of God, who say to the prophets, you must not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us pleasant words and prophesy illusions. Now, I asked you last week, who talks like that? Who talks like that? I don't want the truth. Tell me something I want to hear, even if it's not true. Who talks like that? Only a fool talks like that. These were the so-called people of God in the Old Testament. I shared with you also from the New Testament, 2 Timothy 4, 3, and 4. I'm going to read it to you again. For the time will come, and of course it's here, when they will not Endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves false teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. People love myths, man. They love you to tickle their ears. I encountered this all the time in Milan. You know, we had people from all over the world, from all different denominations, and many of them took issue with the Bible. You know, they'd been in a church all their life, but they didn't know the Bible. Jim, is that in the Bible? Yeah, come here, I'll show it to you. It's just stunning. It really is. Last week we began our verse-by-verse look at the book of Jude. It's the next to last book in the Bible. I hope you have your Bible open and you'll follow along with me as we look at a few more verses this morning. We noticed and we talked about Jude's humility in that opening sentence. The bondservant of Jesus Christ. Well, he's the half-brother of Jesus Christ. I mean, I shared with you that I, I probably would have banged that drum. Well, I'm a half-brother half the Son of God. And, and my, my full brother is James. He's the pastor of the largest church in the world, in Jerusalem. You know, I probably would have banged that drum. But what, what does Jude say about himself? I'm a slave, man. I'm a slave of Christ. I'm doulos, the Greek, doulos. I am a slave. It's what real Christians look like. Real Christians look like slaves. You know, I told you last week. All through the New Testament, they're not, uh, followers of Christ aren't referred to as Christians. It wasn't in vogue yet. The most predominant word used in the New Testament for Christian was slave. Was well, slave. Do you understand that? You know, we talked about it last week. Do you understand that? Are you a slave of Christ? If you're not a slave of Christ, you're probably not a Christian. Now, you might be a church member, but you're probably not a Christian. You'll understand because we talked about it last week. He's beautiful and he's compelling. Of course, I submit to him. Of course, I submit to the Lordship of Christ. Why wouldn't I? He's beautiful and he is compelling. Verse three, beloved While I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, we talked a little bit about this uh, last week, but I wanted to to pull the thread one more time. I like that Jude says, you know, this is a necessity and I know I bang this drum. I do bang this drum. But it, it is a necessity in this day and age. It is a necessity to bang this drum. There are false teachers everywhere. You have to look real hard to find a true church. You have to look really hard. You have to look hard to find a preacher who will not omit a word, no matter whether you like it or not. You know, Dr. Aubrey taught us, and I learned that lesson well. My worship is this. My worship as the preacher, it's the sermon. That's my worship. And the thing I care about most is that God receives it. And God is honored. And and God is delighted. That's the thing I worry about the most. And again, I I, I pray that that, that there's some value in it for you. And there will be because it's coming out of the text. But you're like, number two. Okay? You are... Number two, Jude says, out of necessity, man, I have, to, I have to exhort you to contend earnestly for the faith. We talked about it last week. Are you? If you're not, there's something wrong with your so-called Christianity. If you're not out there contending for the faith, if you're not defending the truth, if you're not taking a stand for Jesus Christ, you know, then it's just all charade for you, right? Your so-called Christianity. That's why you're still on the planet. That's why he left you here to give a witness. To give a witness. Jude says, Man, this is a necessity. I have got to talk to you about false teachers specifically, obviously, in general. Of course, we address. The the nonsense of atheism and agnosticism and humanism and Islam and Hinduism and Buddhism, apostate Judaism, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, and all the other isms. Of course, we have to address those cartoonish type issues because they all are cartoonish. If If you drill down on every one of them, they are cartoonish. Of course, we're to speak against those, but Jude is calling us to something specifically here. He's calling us to be witnesses in the visible church. You understand the distinction between the visible and invisible church. I know Brad has taught us about this. Just as a reminder, the visible church includes every denomination that wears the Christian label, whether they're still holding to the Bible or not. The world recognizes them as Christian, quote-unquote, because they loosely may loosely still hold to Scripture. Eastern Orthodox, Roman Catholicism, all the Protestant strands, um, Anglican, Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, Apostolic, Pentecostal, etc., etc., etc. All of these denominations claim to be Christians. But if you read what they say, or pardon me, what they write, and you listen to what they say, many of them, if not most of them, no longer hold fast to the Word of God. They've compromised at different places because the people didn't like it and they wouldn't come and I wouldn't have a good job and there wouldn't be any money in the offering plate. If you don't like what I say, so man, I've got to stroke you, right? I've got to tickle that ear. I've got to pat you on the head. Wrong. Hey, I'm getting my Social Security now. <laughs> but you know what? I was always ready to be fired and I know my brother was because he has been. <laughs> <laughs> almost multiple times. <laughs> man, you got to be ready to be fired every week. You know, it's like the old preacher said, man, you got to have your bags packed. I mean, if you're going to preach this, because most people won't hear it. Praise God that you guys will. So, most of these so-called denominations no longer hold strictly to the Bible. And I want to say this, at that point, they cease to be a true church. They may still be called a church, but they're not a church. If they've left this, they are not a church. They're not a church. If this is negotiable, they're not a church. I don't know exactly what you call them, but they're not a church in a biblical sense. Now, the term um, invisible church, or we could use the term universal church is used to speak about all true believers no, no matter what denomination they may be in they are true lovers and followers of Jesus who ultimately uh, exit those false churches <laughs> if once they start to hear error and the pastor won't acknowledge that it's error you got to leave you just got to leave you got to leave you can't stay there you know I've, I've stayed in a crummy church to try to help you know reform it you 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 can't reform the pulpit. He either gets it or he doesn't get it. You can't reform the pulpit. Now, well, I'm not going to go there. But you can't. The invisible church, the universal church, we're the doulos guys, right? We're the wheat among the tares. We believe Jesus is beautiful no matter how hard his words are. You know, you know in the New Testament many times Jesus would be walking, doing things and he'd turn around and he'd start teaching and he'd have multitudes following him and bam. You know, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood and they were out of there. You got to love that. Man, he wasn't trying to win a popularity contest. He's God. Right? He's God. It's not about popularity. It's about I'm God. And I do whatever I please. Again, doesn't matter if the church member likes it or not. God does. Whatever he pleases. In the book of Jude, God is specifically calling the invisible church, all true believers, to be engaging the visible church, the false church, uh, with the unvarnished truth of. God, if Karen and I had not been given the privilege to come and be with you at grace, we would be in some crummy church as missionaries. I'm pretty sure that's what that was kind of the plan. We'll go to some crummy church, you know, that doesn't preach all the truth. We'll get us a Sunday school class to get us about 20, 20 or 30 uh, couples in there, and we'll, we'll just drop the hammer. That was kind of the plan. And, uh, but praise God, we get to be here with you folks. So Jude's specific call is that we defend the faith within the church, obviously outside in the world, um, uh, all those other isms we talked about, but this is a call to defend the true faith, the biblical faith, what the world would call biblical Christianity. It's a call for you, if you call yourself a Christian, now you can do inventory here. It's a call for you to know God's Word so well that you can recognize a counterfeit. When you hear it, even if you can't exactly identify what the deal is, when you hear the counterfeit, you're a little unsettled and you have to sort it out. You have to go and figure out what this teacher is saying. We are here to speak against pseudo-Christianity. We are here to speak against it. And it's never, you know, what I believe over what you believe. It's what God says. It's always what God says. I don't really care what you believe. Now, I tell people this in Milan all the time. (laughs) I don't care what you believe. And you really shouldn't care too much what I believe unless I can back it up. My opinion is worthless. Except that it is founded on the truth. And you say, well, Jim, why do you believe that? Well, I'll hopefully I can go to a text and I can, I can show you why I believe that. I mean, we've got to be like this. We've got to be biblically literate Christians. Or We're not fulfilling our call. We're not fulfilling our call. The fundamental issue is we are to contend for the truth of god do not omit a word do not omit a word at the end of verse 3 jude writes that the faith this faith that which was once for all delivered or entrusted to the saints it's what jude reminded us last week redemption this faith that we've been entrusted with is all of god God did it. God did it. This rod of God faith, it's God's idea. He did it. You know, you talk to some Southern Baptists and you're pretty sure they think they did it. Or their church did it. Or their pastor or their deacons. Or their methodology did it. God has purposed to glorify himself in the salvation of reprobates like you and like me. It's always, always, always about the praise of the glory of the grace of God, Ephesians 1. It's always, always, always about the vessels of mercy and I'm gonna, I said this to you last week, but this has really caused me to tremble the last couple of weeks. That the vessels of mercy to grasp the magnitude of the miracle of our own conversion. And I'm, I'm just going to say it again. If you don't read Romans 9, if, if, you, if, if you don't tremble before Romans 9, you're not really understanding it. You're not really understanding The magnitude of the miracle of your own conversion. It's that thing that God is talking about there in Romans 9. The vessels of wrath are being prepared for destruction and we will see what we did not rightly get as vessels of mercy. God has delivered the called, the beloved, and the kept truths to us. We talked a lot about it last week. We didn't go looking for God. Did you go looking for God? We didn't discover or uncover this God or this faith. Christianity is not some transcendental religious insight. It's radical, sovereign grace shown to rebels. That's what it is. And that's why you can envision, although this is, it's not all that heaven will be, but you can envision That you could lay on your face for a billion eternities and praise God for it. You can envision that. Now, if you've never thought about envisioning that, I'm going to just lovingly say to you you've never thought deeply about your salvation. You've never really thought deeply about it because you could envision doing it. That's how much you should be in hell. You and I both. Yahweh told us that He has come for His called, His beloved, and His kept. Verse 1 of Jude. And He's done this through the 66 books. There will not be a 67th. Amen? You don't get to add to, you know, you read the, the Revelation. Nobody gets to add to it. Don't omit anything, but don't you dare add to it. We have the story once for all, delivered to us. We we understand that this is all about the grace of God and the glory of Christ. And if we ever get our eyes off that, it's wrong. You know, this is what all these other churches do. There's so many things. You know, the Catholic Church is just, it's just redundant, you know, religious activity. Eastern Orthodox is much the same. Anything to get your eyes off the sufficiency and the glory of Jesus Christ. Well, you need this thing. You need that thing. You need the other thing. Even in Protestant circles, you got to do this prayer, man. And you need to pray it just like this. Man, I had a guy say to me one time, I don't think I prayed it right. And I'm like, Mama Mia, for real? That's where you are? It's not about how you prayed it. It's not even about praying it. It's about humbling yourself before the Lord Jesus Christ and repenting of your sin and placing your faith and trust in him for the salvation of your soul. You know, we just got to get rid of a lot of this. You know, you, you, you come out of crummy churches, you have to unlearn quite a lot of things. Do you genuinely value this, this very personal gift from your creator? This gift, this Bible... Have you given yourself to the study of it? Can you recognize a false teacher when you hear one? Shame on you if you can't. That's your job. There'd be a whole lot fewer less false teachers, right, if we knew our Bibles. It's God's description, job description for us. Actually, I have written in my notes, don't dare call yourself a Christian if you can't recognize a false teacher. Now, maybe that's a little strong, so I'm going to moderate that. You need to be at work, man. You need to be be a student of the word. In some so-called Christian denominations, you know, they're happy to add to and they're happy to delete from. And if it's a lie, where's it from? If 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 the pastor's telling you a lie, even if it's a nice lie and it's a sweet lie, and I like the lie, if it's a lie, where does it come from? Tell me. The father of lies. It's demonic. There's more demonic activity going on in your average pulpit than almost anywhere else in the world. That's just a fact. That is just a fact. That's why Jude is writing this letter. The father of lies has infiltrated the church with their false teachers. Verse 4. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. We referenced this a little bit last week. We're going to talk a little further about it. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. First, I read this and my mind goes to Acts 20 when Paul's talking to the elders at Ephesus. And from Acts 20... Uh, Just, I want you to hear how Paul underscores what we've been saying about the book of Jude. God called preachers, listen to how Paul talks to the elders at Ephesus. Listen to what he says. This is a big deal. Therefore, I testify to you that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Why is Paul innocent of the blood of all men? First of all, why is he talking about blood in relation to preaching? Because everything hangs on the preached word. In the church, that's the function of the preached word. So what what are we talking about here? Blood. Eternal destinies hang in the balance That's what he's talking about. I don't have anybody's blood on my hands. I'm not omitting any words. I'm telling you everything I know to tell you from God. I don't care if you like it. I got to be faithful. This is what he's saying. This is what he's saying. Paul says, I do not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Now you can check me on this. This is Acts 20 if you want to go look at your leisure. He says, there's no blood on my hands. I've never omitted one word. God charged me to declare. And I just want to say this, you know, heaven and hell is always in the balance. If that's uninteresting to you, if that's inconsequential to you, I don't know what else I can say. You know, my colleague in in uh, in Italy, I loved I love this man. He was such a great guy. He, He pastored the Italian language church. I loved him. He would always just say the most simple in your face kind of stuff. He would just tell his people, man, this is all I got for you. All I got for you is the word of God. And if you don't like it, I don't have anything else for you. And can I just lovingly say, if you don't like the word of God, that's on you. It's not on the preacher. It's not on the scripture. It's not on the spirit. It's not on the father. It's on you. Paul continuing there with the elders of of Ephesus. Listen to what he says. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. you got to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And listen to what he says. From among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. The Osteens and the Copelands and the Myers and the Catholic priest and the Eastern Orthodox priest and many, many, many Protestant strains. Who are more interested in building the church than proclaiming the truth. Now, we want to build the church, but not at the expense of the truth. Truth is first. We talked about it last week. Who is the truth? The Lord Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. And we will not compromise. We will not compromise. Did you notice? You said they—they've crept in unnoticed. This, these, 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 these these, these. these uh, what's the word I want? Minions. These minions of Satan. We mentioned it last week too. They're smooth. It's truth, truth, truth. Half truth, half truth, half truth, lie. And so, if you call yourself a Christian, but you're you're not biblically literate, you're subject to being you're subject to following a false leader. It's like we talked about last week. Osteen is a judgment on an apostate church. He is a judgment from God on an apostate church. And all those of his ilk... Did you notice what God says about these pseudo-clergy in, in Jude 4? They were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. What's he saying here? Simply that, simply that they will receive their just deserts. They'll receive their, their wages from eternity past. God knew these guys would rise and they have been condemned. They have been condemned. They are marked out for the punishment of eternal Fire. Second Peter two one and three talks gives us some more insight here on Jude four. Let me just read it to you real quick. No need to turn there. But false prophets also arose among the people. This was in the Old Testament. Just as there will also be false teachers among you. This is in the New Testament, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the Master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. You know, if there's one thing God hates, it's a false teacher in a pseudo church. I mean, the last day is going to be horrific for many, for many who fit that category. False teachers and pseudo churches. Lord, didn't didn't I do a lot of good things? Didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I do great things? I don't know who you are, Jesus will say. I don't know who you are. You never submitted to my truth. You never did. You've never loved me. You never really placed your faith in me. You you really loved your own self-righteousness, right? I'm a pretty good person. I don't know who you are. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And God, you know, people like to to try to mitigate this, but God is the one who casts the, 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 the unbeliever into hell. He's the one who does it. He does it. He does it. Beloved, if you don't tremble before Yahweh, you, you, I, I, I'm saying I know he's been dumbed down for most of your life. But, man, you've got to learn to tremble before Yahweh. You've got to get you got to get that 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 Psalm 211 thing. Rejoice with trembling. And if you don't have that in your Christian walk, I'm going to exhort you to find it. I'm going to exhort you to find it. So they've turned the grace of God into licentiousness. What does that mean? Well, the net Bible, Brad's turned me on to the net Bible. I like it. It's turning the grace of God into license to do evil. Man, you can just see, you see these guys on television. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's embarrassing. It's a joke. It's, you, you can hear Satan laughing. People believe this stuff. People who call themselves Christians believe this stuff. Why do they believe it? Because they don't know the Word of God. They don't know the Word of God. False teachers and pseudo-Christian churches, they twist the grace of God into license. We talked about it last week. You know, pastor, don't tell me the truth. Pat me on the head and let me live like I want you know, tell me I'm okay, right? Tell me I'm okay. And that God's love is always unconditional. Whether I'm in Christ or not, whether I love Him or not, whether I obey Him or not. 5 and 6, verse 5 and 6. This is all new material. Now I desire to remind you, though, you know all things, once for all, that The Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently what? What does your Bible say? He subsequently what? Destroyed Destroyed those who did not believe. You know what? (laughs) You're not going to hear that preached in a lot of churches. Not going to hear it. Destroyed. Not going to hear it. Verse 6. And angels who did not keep their own domain... But abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Verse 7 Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since since they in the same way as they in these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh or exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Now, why, why these illustrations? You know, we're talking about false teachers. Why these illustrations? Because God says, this is what's coming. This is what's coming to the false teacher in the pseudo church. This is coming. I judge Everybody. I judge Jews, I judge angels, and I judge Gentiles. I judge everybody. I am the holy God who reigns. And I judge everybody outside my son. Everybody. You know, you just think about the flood. All but eight. All but eight. He took them out. Right? You you think about Egypt. All the firstborn of Egypt. He took them out. You know, you think about Jerusalem, the, 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 the women were having to eat their young. You know, sometimes it's like being Americans. We, it, I think it's like we live, we think we live in Disneyland and, and, you know, yeah, okay, okay. I know that's in the Bible, but, you know, God's never going to do that to me. I go to church on Sunday. Well, God willing, you're here because you're, you're absolutely hopelessly in love with Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the definition that's the definition of born-again Christianity. So the overarching message here is the certainty of God's judgment. And those who fall under God's judgment will experience the horrors and the terrors of eternal conscious punishment. It's right there, verse 7, the eternal Fire, the punishment of eternal fire. There's a book out called Dangerous God with a subtitle that reads Wrath, Vengeance, Recompense, and Terror. The author says this, Yahweh is the most dangerous being in the cosmos for all who would insist on making themselves his enemy. You know, I'm just going to say it. Because I know when I preach... There's a lot of converted and a lot of unconverted people. But you realize, those of you who have not bowed the knee to Christ, I mean, really? Do you realize that that's coming your way? The horrors and terrors of eternal conscious punishment, do you realize it? Say, Jim, I don't like when you talk like that. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to omit a word. Not for you. You know, people say to me, Jim, I don't believe in that God. Have you heard this? I don't believe in that God. It doesn't matter what you think you believe. The only thing that matters is what is true. Now, you might be believing in a false God. And if you don't believe in the the biblical God, you're believing in a false God. It doesn't matter what you believe. The only thing that matters is what is true. It's just just mind-numbingly stupid. People say, well, I don't believe that. So you're, you're saying you reject the Bible. Is that what you're saying? You reject, you reject God. You're rejecting God. The God of the Bible does not issue empty, hollow warnings. He is unapologetic regarding His wrath, vengeance, horror, and terror in judgment. So very briefly, let's look at these judgments illustrated here in verses 5 through 7. Arguably... And I don't even know if I can say that, but arguably the greatest drama recorded in the Old Testament was was God bringing his people out of Egypt. And we saw God crush Egypt. He said, then you will know that I am God. But apparently they didn't get the lesson. They got to Kadesh Barnea and what happened? What happened at Kadesh Barnea? He says, man, I'm going to give you the land. And what? They didn't think he was God enough to give it to them and they bowed up, and they they didn't believe. And you remember how God saw this. He said, they spurned me. My people spurned me. What does spurn mean? I looked it up. It means to reject me, despise me, disdain for me. And listen, hold in contempt. This is the word God uses. They have spurned me. They won't believe me. They don't think I'm God enough. They were destroyed. Those who did not believe were destroyed. The second example here, verse 6. This is just a real strange account. I think Brad's talked about it some. I'm not going to go into detail. But this is from Genesis 6, when the sons of God, which is an Old Testament phrase for angels, came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. This sin was so heinous in the eyes of God. This pollution of the human race uh, with this fallen angelic race, it, it, it's so heinous to God that he has kept them in eternal bonds of darkness. Now, I'm not, I don't understand all the details here. That's not, the details aren't important. What's important is I judge Jews, I judge angels. I judge anybody who crosses me. And then lastly, I judge Gentiles. Sodom and Gomorrah, which obviously is a culturally pertinent illustration for us. What happened when God's angels in male human form arrived in Sodom to save Lot? Actually, the, the text says all the men from every quarter wanted to engage in homosexual rape. Genesis 19, 4 and 5, all true Christians, at least I am, I'm an old man, I'm stunned and saddened saddened at where the culture is on homosexuality. But it doesn't really matter where the culture is. What does God say? God God is crystal clear. You know, you hear these idiots say, well, Jesus never spoke against it. Okay, let's, let's do a review. Who's Jesus? He's God. Old Testament, New Testament, the same God as, as Brad has taught us that met with Moses and gave the moral law. You know, don't, don't, don't let anybody get away with being that stupid in front of you, okay? It's just an exegetical mugging to say that God does not radically and on a wholesale basis condemn homosexuality. He calls it, and if you want my notes, you can have them, but he calls it an abomination, a detestable act, a degrading passion. He calls it unnatural. He calls it an indecent act. I'll give you all these verses if you want them. He calls it gross immorality. He calls it unrighteousness. And he says, "Homosexual shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What else? What, what other clarity do you need? What other clarity do you need? Yeah, if you're going to reject the Bible, okay. You've declared who you are. You've declared what your internal inheritance will be. But let me say this to you, beloved. What compassion demands is that as Christians, with our homosexual friends and family and colleagues, we share the gospel. We love them enough to call sin, sin, and we share the gospel. We love people like that. Most people won't love you like that. They'll pat you on the head and say, yeah, that's okay, don't worry about it. But real Christians, real Christians, we love like that. Karen and I almost always had same-sex attracted in our church. Almost always. The whole 18 years we were there. Almost always. And they would talk to us about it. And we would counsel with them. And we would love them. We love them. And we loved them enough to say, you can't go this way. God says no. And oh, guess what? He invented sex. You knew that, right? You knew that, right, Brad? He invented sex. He gets to set the parameters. You don't. He gets to set the parameters. You and I don't get to do it. You got to love 1 Corinthians 6, 11 talking to all sinners, but such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Go out on YouTube and watch all the testimonies from homosexuals and fornicators and adulterers and pornography purveyors. Go out there and listen to them, how they've been delivered. How they've been delivered by the power of Christ. Go out and watch them. They're out there. Man, I've watched a lot of them. They're out there. A lot of them are out there. So, we all have the same story, don't we? We're all broken. We all need a Savior. We all need, desperately need, a Savior. So, if you have homosexual friends, tell them the truth about God, the truth about their sin, and the truth about a great Savior. So, with these three illustrations in verses five through seven, God drives home the point that. He will judge everyone in rebellion against them. And when he is provoked to it, he is comprehensive, he is exacting, and he is exhausted with his judgment. God has warned us, you and me. About false teachers and pseudo-clergy, they will come. We are to contend earnestly for the faith. It's our job. God has called us to do this, to know the Word, to understand the Word, to speak the Word, and to contend for it. Now, if, if, if that's not part of who you are, you need to reevaluate who you are in Christ, because that is the call. That is the call, the non-negotiable call. You say, well, Jim, that's the preacher's job. Yeah, it's part of my job, but it's part of your job, too. It's part of your job, too. And I'm going to close with the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 5, 11. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, this is a New King James Version. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You know, I stand here to persuade you. Those of you who are unconverted, you've got to run to Christ. Those of you who are converted, but you've grown lukewarm, you've got to run to Christ. And those of you who are running to Christ, you've got to keep running to Christ. You know, it's like like if he weren't holding us, (laughs) we'd all fall into unbelief in about five seconds, maybe one. So... I love the book of Jude. I love it. It's important for us in the age in which we live. And beloved, you've got work to do just like I do. You're supposed to know your scriptures. And you're supposed to share them. And you're supposed to call out false teaching. It's what God has commanded us to do. Let's pray together.